Good morning, everyone. My name is Teddy Ragsack, and you are listening to TED Talk Sports. And this episode is brought to you by Grooming by Diane, the best dog grooming services in the San Fernando Valley. What's going on, guys? So I hope you guys are holding up better with this 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 hiatus from sports because I'm not doing so hot. I am trying to find stuff to do. Um, it's a really weird. <laughs> it's really really weird. All my classes are online now. Um, and I'm not going to be going back to Washington anytime soon, so I'm back home. Unfortunately, yes, that means my mic is still in my apartment, so the audio won't be the best. I do apologize. So hopefully, in a few months, couple months, whatever it is, I can get all these, get all this equipment, bring it back over, and we'll have much higher quality episodes. But, anyways, um, I don't know. I think this whole coronavirus outbreak—it's been a very eye-opening experience to say the least and I'm, I'm talking about this through the sports lens obviously you know this it's, it's a very serious issue there's people dying and um but again looking at this through the sports lens I think it's been very like I said very eye-opening I think this has really shown us a lot of the stuff that we began to take for granted you know I mean a lot of us you know we kept come back from school or work or whatever it is and we're used to just being able to settle down detox and watch a game Right. I mean, even if it's not our team, we're able to watch a game. And for some of us, I know myself included, when, when some some days are a little bit you know tougher than others. Or if there's um, something like, you know, maybe I'm having like a really long day, then sometimes I'm able to focus on the fact that, OK, look, there's a game going on. Right. There's a game from like five o'clock or six or seven. And it really kind of helps, you know, for for big sports fans who have to work, you know, a regular nine to five job. Um, yeah, it helps a lot <laughs> to be able to look forward to those things. So. It's definitely, like I said, something that we definitely took for granted, and it's a really weird time. I mean, I, I, this is the last time this even happened where all sports was stopped was in like 1996, and that was in Space Jam. I mean, that that was in a movie, so it, it's it's really really weird. Um, definitely weird to have that gap, right? Because normally for me, I know that around from four o'clock through ten o'clock, there's going to be some sort of sporting event that I I could watch and um, I could enjoy, but. Now it's just like I have this really weird gap in time. I'm trying to watch shows on on Netflix. I'm trying to play like video games. Um, Also, if you guys know any good shows on Netflix or anything like that, let me know. I started watching You. Uh, That's been really freaky, but also really interesting. But anyways, I digress. Um, But what I've been really interested in lately is looking at how the coronavirus has affected the different sports organizations, right? These different teams. Um, so I'm going to, I kind of made a little bit of a power rankings or yeah. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start off with leagues that were affected the worst and go to the leagues that weren't as affected. Um, this is just sporting athletic organizations in general. So to start off the list, um, is the NCAA. So the NCAA took the absolute worst hit. I mean, this was affected on every level and pretty much every sport has been affected. I mean, obviously, the most devastating loss to the NCAA is March Madness. Now, personally, for me, March Madness, it really sucks. Uh, You know, going to Gonzaga and living in Spokane, Washington, for the time that I have been, you know, college basketball has such an overwhelming impact just on that town. You know, and it's like it's really what they look forward to because you're you're in a place like Spokane, Washington. Now, this is applicable to, you know, to other places. Other smaller, uh, not smaller, other colleges that are in towns that don't have a, have a pro team, you know? So it's, it's you know, this is like really all they have. And it's, 
it, it, it's rough, you know. And to the NCA, this is <laughs> March Madness has been a huge moneymaker. Uh, I mean, to put this into perspective, back in 2016, the NCA generated one billion dollars, and over 75% of that was generated through March Madness alone. Um, last year's tournament brought in 933 million dollars in ad revenue alone. So it's it's just been so financially it's it's really rough. But I mean, realistically, the NCAA has two really big money makers, right? And it's the college football playoffs and it's March Madness. Um, and then so now you're missing one of those things. And March Madness is really fun too. I mean, there's just there's a lot you can do with it. You know, people like to make their brackets, and it's just it's it's really really fun and it's really exciting, um, and it also gives a lot of good exposure to 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 these teams that, you know, maybe not maybe aren't as popular. I remember like back into what 2013, Wichita State had this really big run in March Madness. Nobody knew who Wichita State was, right? But then this is really good, you know, for the school. They had a huge up in enrollment or people applying to the school because people knew what Wichita State was and it had this sort of allure that it was a basketball school and it was really exciting. So it's really beneficial. Um, I know that I'm talking to some people that work uh, through Gonzaga Athletics. They were telling me that Gonzaga is going to lose up to – well, they were supposed to make $55 million. Now, remember, Spokane is a very, very small city. So this is – $55 million goes a long way. Um, you know, because if, obviously if it was a city like Los Angeles or New York or another place like that, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But this is a very, very big issue. Um, and look, like I mentioned earlier, every sport was affected. So they lost, you know, things like the College World Series. They lost track and field. Um, and like, it's, it's just, and, and on top of all this too, it's it's just really sad for a lot of these seniors, right? I mean, a lot of these seniors who went to these smaller schools, who didn't get to, you know, who maybe finally qualified for March Madness. And remember, look, not, not a lot of college basketball players go pro, right? So when you're, you're near D1 college basketball, the highest level of competition you can get, or maybe you're a senior that was, was you know, trying to use March Madness to up your draft stock, you know? So March Madness, it's, it's, it's taken away a lot of opportunities um, from these basketball players. And... The hard part is there's just so many unwritten stories that we're just going to miss out on, which I think that's kind of a hard pill to swallow too, is that, look, you have, uh, God, I forgot her name, that, that basketball player, the women's basketball player in Oregon, right? She was probably going to lead her team on some really, really good run in the tournament. We don't get that. Um, and also, too, and specifically for for L.A., too, back to bringing this back to Los Angeles as a sports fan that I am, you know, the USC, the Trojans, I'm a huge USC basketball fan. They were projected to possibly make the tournament. Um, UCLA, they were projected to possibly make the tournament. You know, So this is, for the city of Los Angeles as well, I mean, you could have had two of your biggest schools in the biggest basketball tournament, and it's, it, it, it's tough. You know, it's, it's crazy to get to that point to where you're so close to having that tournament and people are thinking of any sort of which way to you know, condense it, but I think the tournament's lost. Uh, I think I mentioned this in my previous podcast that the tournament, it's very time sensitive, right? You're dealing with college athletes, college, the college students. And look, a lot of these guys, they, they're going to have to start getting ready for the draft. They're going to have to start getting ready for the combine. Um, and it's, they're not going to be around all day. Whereas a you know, professional basketball player, 
They have all this time up through, what, July or however long the basketball playoffs last that's just dedicated towards basketball. When you're a college student, there's a whole uh, (laughs) tons of other factors. As much as their lives want to be dedicated to basketball, they still have a plethora of obligations that they still have to deal with. So it gets way more complicated. So the NCAA took an absolute hit. I mean, and, and the other thing is, too, with the NCAA is that this affected all levels, right? Division one, two, three, all the all the other divisions, all affected. So it's not like Division one; it, all the other divisions were affected. Um, and I know the uh, track season for my Whittier College poets it's over, and I think it's, it's kind of rough. You know, a lot of these seniors just don't get a senior year, and I know the NCAA is working on some sort of eligibility thing for maybe some some teams like baseball who maybe had the seniors played like maybe one or two games or whatever it was to start the season. So I, it'll be really interesting as well to see, you know, who comes back, who doesn't. Uh, but the bottom line is the NCAA, absolute worst hit. And, I mean, these are just things that you just you can't plan for. Okay, so um, the next uh, the next organization that took a pretty big hit, um, but I think the season could still be salvageable, is the NBA. So where we're at right now with the NBA – um, there, there's going to be at least what 30 days without basketball, and I think if if they do continue on this, continue this season, it's probably or even in the playoffs, it's going to have to be without fans. That's what we're most likely looking at, and I think we can. I think it's very safe to assume that the rest of the regular season is done. Um, and I think if we do have playoffs, I I think it's a real possibility that there's going to be a condensed version of playoffs this year. You know, maybe it's a five-game series instead of seven or three, whatever it is. Um, and look, and, and this is really crappy uh, for those teams like the Pelicans who are trying to make a, a run at the playoffs. But I'm hoping, look, <laughs> I'm hoping the NBA can can still salvage the playoffs. Um, I, I really hope they can. I think they're going through the process of testing out all their players, which that in itself has brought a lot of controversy because there's a lot of people in society who – can't get tested for the coronavirus but suddenly when there's nba players you know they get tested right away so that's upset a lot of people and it's kind of questioned the the morale and the intentions of you know maybe some of the some of like the the doctors or the the medical care that we have so i mean that's a whole mother issue i'm not going to get all political and everything like that but no it's uh it's going to be crazy i so i'm hoping the nba can salvage the playoffs, but they're, they're not out of the woods yet. And um, I, I think, I hope they can. And and look, the NBA, the playoffs are a huge money maker for them too. I, mean, I mentioned this in my previous podcast. I mean, they a playoff game in LA can make upwards of to fifteen million dollars. So, right? I mean, so and they had two teams in LA that were that are supposed to make the playoffs. So it's going to be really crazy. I don't even know how that would even work if they had to cancel the season. There would just be no champion. Um, I mean, that would really suck too. And also, it gets really tricky because you have an aging star in LeBron. He's 35. Next year, 36. It's going to be a lot harder for him to do the things that he's doing, regardless of the way he's taking care of his body and his the pace that he's at. You know, father time is undefeated for a reason. So, um, yeah. So the the, <laughs> the NBA, it's 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 a toss up. Though I think we can still salvage the season. Okay, so. The other organization uh, that was affected by this is the MLB. So MLB season was was pushed back two weeks. Um, I think it's most likely going to be longer, but I don't think the season 
uh, is at jeopardy of being ended prematurely. I mean, the baseball plays, what, like 161 or 62 games or something like that? I mean, they start in March, and they end in October. So there is so, so much time. Um, realistically, it's probably going to be some sort of condensed season, which I don't think the players would be too upset about. I don't think the fans necessarily would be too upset about. I mean, 162 games is a lot of games. I mean, I, I don't even know why we decided like that was the number of games that <laughs> that is just a ridiculous amount of games to play for any sporting event, really. I mean, that's just crazy. But anyways, no, I mean, the season's pushed back uh, two weeks. Probably going to be more. I mean, today we had the first case of someone, uh, someone in the in the MLB. You know, they they had the uh, they got tested positive and they they got tested for the coronavirus and it came out positive. It was a minor leaguer um, for the Yankees organization, but and also too, and I know I I don't like to flip back and forth too much, but talking about players that were infected, right? So let, let's go back really quickly to Rudy Gobert. So Rudy Gobert is someone that's been under a lot of. Um, a lot of, a lot of back, not backfire. He's he's been a lot of public outlash lately because he was someone that you know uh, didn't take the coronavirus very seriously. He was touching microphones and his teammates in a joking matter, alluding to the fact that oh it's not that serious. You know we could shake hands, whatever, blah blah blah. Touching everything in the locker room, and he and everyone got really mad at and no and everyone got really mad at him because a couple of days later he tested positive for the coronavirus and players he played against. Um, you know, they end up getting the coronavirus too. And, you know, people are saying, oh, Rudy Gobert's the reason the NBA had to be suspended. But look, what they're projecting now is what, like 60 or 70% of like the, what the entire population is going to contract this virus at some point. So I really, I mean, was Rudy Gobert being an idiot? Absolutely. But this, this to me was, this to me was inevitable. So I don't, (laughs) I think just to put all the blame on Rudy Gobert and Rudy Gobert, look, he owned up to his mistake. He's donated. He's gonna donate five hundred thousand dollars to, uh, I think, to help pay off the salaries for the um, for some of the people that worked at um, the arena, and I think for so something else towards the cause. I can't remember exactly, but um, yeah. So I, I think it's really dumb when, when you know a certain player or someone gets infected in an or, in the organization, and everyone blames that person. And to be fair, it's not like these players are trying to get this on purpose. <laughs> it's not like it's not like they're going to like hospitals and like licking the floor or something like that i mean i don't know how you would get it but yeah anyways so i don't know i think when one person gets in you put the blame on it um it's not it's just kind of ridiculous now is this mlb player this minor leaguer on the yankees going to be under the same scrutiny that rudy gobert was absolutely not because he's not being an idiot and we also don't know who he is he's not a really big name um and i think that when rudy gobert got the coronavirus i think it began to hit home right because i think that i don't know what it is but i feel like in the u.s we almost felt like we had this sort of immunity to this outbreak like it wasn't going to affect our way of life like oh it's italy and china we didn't really think it was going to affect our way of life and i think when rudy gobert got it someone that's an all-star center and very prevalent and very um popular in the nba when he got it i think it hit home with a lot of people i think that you know it kind of registered and it was kind of had the shock value to it so so there, there was that to understand, but anyway, I, I know I digress, but the MLB, I think, it, I think the season's going to be fine. Uh, it's probably going to be condensed a little bit, but I, I think overall we'll, we'll be okay. All right. So, um, the next league I want to talk about is the NFL. So the NFL, I don't think the NFL is really at risk. People are like freaking out because the NFL 
didn't has no plans of, of pushing back their season. Let me let me remind a lot of people that like <laughs> the NFL season doesn't start till like really late August or like September. So we have a lot of months. So I think <laughs> for Roger Goodell to already automatically say that look, you know, the season's going to be pushed back, that would just be way too soon. I mean, the NFL is a lot more time to decide. And to be quite honest, I think if we get to the point where the NFL needs to cancel their season uh, entirely, then I think we'll be having much bigger concerns than football. All right. So the last league and the league that is essentially doing the best right now, and I think it's a little bit easier for them to monitor this, um, is the UFC. So Thank you to Papa Dana White for keeping us all sane, even if it's just for a little bit. I'm sure I don't know how much longer they're really going to be able to sustain this, but you know the UFC has relatively been doing doing okay. Now Dana White has chosen to continue the fights as scheduled. Possibly, you know, he's possibly moving the venues, um, but I think the biggest difference right now in the UFC is that they're not going to have fans attend. Um, a lot of these fights for an extended period of time, which we're look, we're we're so desperate for sports that we're willing to take that. We're like, look, if this is all we get, fine, <laughs> just it's it's okay, you know, it's it's we'll, we'll take it. We're very desperate for any sort of professional athletic competition right now, so we're, we're no complaints from us. But look, we we got a taste of this yesterday at Fight Night 170, um, which we you have know, the, the Kevin Lee fight, and obviously, I think it's always makes any sporting event more exciting. Look, when fans are in attendance, uh, I think it really creates a very electric atmosphere. I think it's really, really cool, you know, hearing fans go crazy over big moments. And like, it's always added a really nice element of excitement, right? I mean, that's the whole reason why people love to go to, to live sporting events is because they like to be with other fans. They like to have that atmosphere, they like to do the cheers and the chants and, and everything like that. Um, and it's a very intangible feeling. I mean, even if you're you're a player in high school or something like that. When you have, when you have fans there and they get really into it, it, it adds a lot of energy and it's a very, it's a very unique experience. Um, I mean, I think the UFC is a, is a huge example of this, right? I went to my very first UFC event, um, this past weekend and I went with, uh, went with my friend Ryan and his dad. And if they're listening to this, probably not, but if they are listening to this, thank you guys so much for taking me. I had a great time, but it's my very first UFC fight. Um, maybe I'll do an episode on that and talk about that experience. But uh, the Zhang Wei Lee versus uh, Joanna, and then you know the UL Romero versus Israel Adesanya. But it's very interesting because when you go to a live UFC event, you can't necessarily see things the best, right? It's it's a really tough angle. They're they're constantly moving around. Um, they have these the, the I don't know how to describe it, but kind of like the support beams on the octagon are, are really wide and they're black and it's like, it's hard to really, you can't see through them. So, cause they're so dark and it's like, you know, the referee's moving around, so you can't necessarily see much. So I personally spent a lot of the time looking at the jumbotron. And I think this shows that even though you don't get the best view, fight fans love to be around other fight fans or sports fans love to be around other sports fans. And the atmosphere is so exciting so exhilarating and it really is with a really good fight and you hear you know someone gets knocked down the fans start cheering and all the different funny things people say uh some stuff that my friend james was saying that i'm not going to repeat because it's probably not appropriate but you know it's just stupid stuff like if someone would get taken down like <laughs> like a second after someone would get taken down someone would say oh stand them up you know because it's like what you would say normally after they've been on the the ground for an elongated period of time but 
Yeah, so it, it's really exciting. I think the UFC is a really good example of that. We're just, you know, fight fans as it's, as it's still growing. You don't find a lot of UFC, of UFC fans still. So it's always nice to be around other people that appreciate the same sport um, that you do. But, you know, it's at the same time, right? I mean, on the flip side of this, I'm trying to be Mr. Positive here, um, <laughs> is that it's really cool. To, it's kind of cool to hear the punches and the kicks. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy. And, and the first taste I got of this was watching The Ultimate Fighter and seeing the way that – watching the fights and being able to hear so well the impact that you know their bodies make when they, when they collide and they get taken down and they're punching and kicking – um, it's, it's incredible. It's crazy. Um, it's kind of a bone chilling experience. Uh, you know, being able to hear these guys go at it. I mean, wait, okay. That, that sounded, that sounded a little wrong, but anyways, you know what I mean? Um, and it's, it's kind of crazy. And we're already starting to see though, there, there are some limitations. So the UFC is operating well, but there are some limitations. So recently today, uh, we found out that the Tyrone Woodley versus Leon Edwards Leon Edwards fight has uh, been temporary. I don't know if it's postponed, but Leon Edwards doesn't want to fly to the U.S. because he's not sure about you know travel restrictions and everything like that, which that makes sense. Um, and I'm sure that wasn't an easy decision for Leon Edwards to make because this is one of his biggest fights, one of his biggest challenges yet. So currently, the UFC is looking for you know fighters that are willing to you know step in on less than a week's notice which is asking a lot because a lot of these guys walk around 20 pounds over what they normally are. So if you're, you fight at 155, if you're not, you know, if you're not cutting weight yet, you're normally around 175 pounds and you just cut that 20 pounds a week, uh, if you, a couple days, whatever, before, before the fight. And it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. So not a lot of guys are willing to do that. But since, you know, you guys know I'm a big Colby Covington fan, Colby Covington actually tweeted see if I could find this tweet. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But so with Leon Edwards backing out um, and no, us knowing the the beef that Tyron Woodley has with Colby Covington, Colby Covington tweeted, tweeted out, he said, word on the street is at Leon Edwards is out. The UFC in America need a hero who, who, who wants to see, who, oh, he says, who wants to see America's champ put the MAGA cape on and beat the fuck out of Tyron Woodley live on ESPN next week? for your own entertainment and my own personal pleasure. And he has an, two American flags and a bald eagle. So, I mean, I to me this would be so cool because I love Colby Covington. I, I love his whole his character and, and, and his, his you know him being a, a jerk to everyone. I think it's I think it's pretty hilarious. But I, do I think that's actually going to happen? Probably not. I mean, I don't even is Colby Covington's jaw still okay? I'm not even trying to talk smack, but like I, he broke his jaw in his last fight, so he could just be saying that to stir the pot, and then maybe they'll have have you know maybe they'll have like Woodley fight Covington. I personally thought Woodley and Covington would be the fight to make after Covington lost to uh, Usman, because that'd been really exciting. They already have that history there. Um, both really good fighters, and you know they both really need a win, losing to the same guy. So it'd be kind of cool to see that. Um, but anyways, also. Also, the last bit on the UFC is that fight, fight fans are very concerned because this puts the crown jewel of fighting. If this puts it at danger, right? The the Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov fight, which is scheduled for I think April eighteenth, this puts it puts this fight at danger, right? Um, 
so this is a fight that's been what, canceled five times due to various injuries and stuff like that. This time, both fighters are healthy. Both fighters are okay, out of their control. But there's a there's an epidemic, there's a pandemic coming on. So that would be crazy. So I hope that I hope it doesn't cost us that fight uh, because I think this it would just be like the icing on the cake. It would just be it would just be kicking kicking fans while they're down at this point if we canceled that. So hopefully, um, hopefully we'll get sports back soon. It's been rough. Uh, but anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Teddy Ragsack. This has been TED Talk Sports.